you're here, you had a father, believe it or not. And those of you who spent the time holding the flashlight for your father and survived that, God bless you all. <laughs> if you ever had to hold the flashlight for your dad, you know what I'm talking about. Can you hold the flashlight still? Can you please put it over here? Where did you put this? Where is that? You know, no matter how you were raised, you know, I grew up without a father and, and all that stuff, and God blessed me to renew a relationship with my father later in life and able to move him here and, you know, participate with him. But you know what? Listen, at the end of the day, you may not be the perfect father, but you're the best father that that child has. You're the best. You are the best. Well, I don't know if I'm the... No, you are the best. And here's what I know about a father. A father, you know, life is given by God, amen? And praise the Lord, we got the center section saved, hallelujah. But life is given by God, okay? And he does that through the arrangement between the father and the mother, right? When you have a child, and you got to receive this by faith, but when you have a child, you are gifted with an anointing as a father. You are gifted as, with an anointing, as a father. And when you can start to understand that anointing, because the anointing is not within your power, it's within God's power, right? Now, you've got to be able to line yourself up with the Word of God. You've got to begin to live a godly life, right? But out of that will come an incredible anointing in your life. You think, well, I've made enough mistakes, and my child, you know, they don't, they don't talk to me anymore. Listen, you can, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm talking about impossible situations. But you got to remind yourself, men, I am a father. And I carry the anointing or the gift of God to be a father. You possess that, I promise you. If, if you gave life to a child, you have the anointing to be the father he's called you to become. Amen? Well, I want to talk to you this morning about the struggle is not in your story. Uh, I'll tell you, if you're not careful in life, your struggle will become everything you speak. It, it'll become everything. It's all about the problem. If it wasn't for this, then I'd be doing that. And if it wasn't for that, then I'd be doing this. And so on and so forth. And we get tied up in a uh, circumstantial lifestyle. And we get hyper-focused on the immediate results rather than the long-term results. You see, a walk with Christ is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. Listen, if, if you want to go somewhere fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And that's a powerful principle. I'm telling you, if you think that you can do things in and of yourself, it's the biggest deception you've ever received in your life. I think about even the simple things in life, things we all participate in. You know, I need food in my refrigerator. Praise the Lord. Anybody like their food? Praise God. Well, guess what? I went to the grocery store to buy that food, didn't I? I did. Well, how did that food get to that grocery store? What were the time, the effort, the abilities, the talents? I mean, the work that it took to get all those resources into that place so that I could go in there and I could buy that food. Imagine what would happen. Worst case scenario, tomorrow our pipeline stops. 
you'd quickly realize how much you need each, each other. How much I need you and you need me. And, and you know what? I may not know what you do, but if you don't do it, then there's a consequence. And that thing starts to trickle down like this. And all of a sudden, you got bigger problems than you could ever imagine because people didn't understand that they, didn't, that they need each other and how interdependent we are on each other. And the Bible says even more so in the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, the devil would love to divide, would love to separate. Well, you know, they don't believe in my political opinion. They don't believe in this, and they don't believe in that. And so, therefore, we're going to go, and we're going to go do this or that or the other. Listen, I promise you, if I went across this whole audience and I asked you, what does your salvation mean to you? Now, let's say there's 150 people in this room. How many answers would I get? 150. 150 different opinions about what that means. Well, you start to diversify that across very complicated cultural things that unfortunately we allow to infiltrate into the church, into infiltrate into our homes, infiltrate into everything. And all of a sudden we start living a life that isn't the life that God called us to, but we're living just this everyday worldly life and we're expecting the supernatural to come in and show up big in our life and have the miracle that we want in our life. Yeah, mmm. You're in this world, but you are not of it in any way. And you go, well, come on, Pastor Paul. I mean, I got to get up. I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to do. Listen, listen to me. You do everything is unto Him. Everything. The Bible's really clear. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek that first with the understanding that I have right standing with God to do it. See, we miss that part. It's like, well, yeah, I seek first the kingdom of God, but then I sometimes disqualify myself from doing it because I don't feel good enough. I don't feel anointed enough. I... You're as righteous today as you'll be tomorrow. I mean, that, that has, that's a free access. All you got to do is have a measure of faith to receive that and then start to do the things that God has called you to do. And I'm telling you, there, there is a kingdom life to live. You see, because your struggle is not your story, you, you've got you've to look at, your, at his story, his story, his story. And that you need to lead with in everyday life, regardless of the circumstances. The Bible promises us that we're going to have problems. We are going to have problems. But it also promises us a way of escape from every, every single problem. But if we're not careful, our story will become our struggle, and therefore we become ineffective in change in our lives. And all of a sudden, you know, the miracle that I think I need in my life right now, I wasn't doing the things that I should have been doing over time. But I've got good news for you. If you're in that situation, now is your redemption. Now. If it was up to you to, to orchestrate a miracle in your life, if it was up to you, all the works, you had to dot every I and cross every T to get there, then what would be the cause of Christ? It's about your measure of faith. And it's about saying, okay, if I get a measure of faith... It may be this big to get started. 
But a, a, a single seed of faith can move a mountain. A single seed. But what does a seed do? Seed multiplies. A seed grows. And once you start tapping into the measure of faith that you possess today, you're going to start to see your faith begin to rise and rise and rise with each and every revelation that you receive from the Word of God and go, wow, if God could do that for me, I wonder what He could do with this. And if He could do that with, oh my goodness, what in the world have I been doing? Why have I been working myself to the bone, trying to be this perfect person so that I can be qualified for a miracle in my life? No, come as you are, exactly as you are. Broken, I mean, all messed up and, you know, on the verge of divorce or, you know, needing help because you're addicted to something, whatever it is. That is not your story. It's not your story. Nobody at the end of your life is going to go, well, I sure am glad they got divorced from her. I sure am glad that person had that affair with him. They're not going to say those things. They're going to say, wow, you know, I, I, I remember a time when they were really going through it. Man, alive, and how they inspired me through the work that they were willing to put into their marriage. And I mean, publicly going out and, and declaring things that you, if you looked at the situation, you think there's no way that could happen in that situation. No way that could happen. And all of a sudden, your light begins to illuminate something far greater than yourself that you are a carrier of. And I don't want to give away the revelation I'm going to bring at the end of this thing. But there are three distinct characteristics for making your struggle your story that set the whole stage. And they're found in the Word of God. And I thought, well, God, how do you want me to go about this? He says, use the simple stories. Use the stories that everybody already knows. So here we go. Genesis 3, verse 6 through 12. You all know the Adam and Eve story, right? And it says here, it says, the woman was convinced. <laughs> Boy, you try to deal with a convinced woman. I'll tell you what, it is challenging. Hallelujah. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give to her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And they suddenly felt shame of their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to, to cover themselves. When the cool of the breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among all the trees. And the Lord called to the man. He says, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman you gave to me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Blame due to shame. I mean, it's going to ruin, undermine all the faith and all the power that you have in your life. It's going to rob you. you. You know, you get a lot of people that are looking for more and more and more information. 
as if the amount of information you have in the gospel, which, by the way, is as easy to understand for a child as it should be for you, but yet you're wanting more and more wisdom. You're wanting more and more of this. And all of a sudden, you get to a point in your life and you go, well, you know, I'm just not growing where I'm at anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go over here now. And it's like, whoa, wait a second here. Wherever you were going to church, you could be here brand new today. You could be church shopping today, whatever. Don't take any condemnation, but make sure what you're doing is under the Lord. Okay, just, just make, get that clear. Make sure you're seeking first the kingdom of heaven and you're right standing to do it so that everything can be given to you. Everything. But if it's all about you getting more and more information without the inspiration of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, then it's just a bunch of stuff. I've known so many people and witnessed so many people in the body of Christ, man, they could quote you every scripture, man. They, I mean, tell you this or that or the other and the Greek and the Hebrew and the whole thing, but they have no fruit in their life. They have no fruit in their life. It's all about the rules. It's all about the regulations. It's all about, here's what I know. Well, listen, if you're depending on what you know, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I believe, and I pray over my life all the time, I pray over you guys as well, is to say, you know what, I, I don't possess a mind like Christ. I possess the mind of Christ. I don't... I, listen, I'm a brand new creation in him, and, 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 and I need to know what I need to know when I need to know it so that I can follow through and do the things God's called me to do. But if I'm struggling with, with shame, and shame, I'll tell you, is looking for a scapegoat, man. I tell you, it's just going to, I mean, the audacity of Adam to point his finger back at God and say, you, you gave me this one. You did that. It's like, whoa, man. But then, you know, well, and by the way, it's her fault, not mine. Well, who ate all the fruit? Well, you did, Adam. You ate it. I'm talking to you right now. We're having a conversation right now. I'm not having a conversation with her right now. We're going to get there, but I'm having a conversation with you. And I believe God is trying desperately to have conversations with you even today. He wants to talk to you. He wants to know, why are you hiding from everything that I've given to you? Why are you pushing that part off to the side, creating a struggle uh, in your life that has to be reinforced with the same old story over and over and over when I've given you the liberty you need to, I mean, absolutely turn that thing around and absolutely move beyond. Listen, Adam and Eve tried to sew fig leaves together to hide their shame. You can't hide your shame. You can't do that. Jesus is going to make that shame go away. Jesus is going to take that sin and make it as far as the east is from the west. You are not the one that needs to do that. God will make that for you. God will do that for you. Some of you in this room are just going, man, alive, but you don't understand where I, I'm starting from. I would tell you this. You get to start from where you're starting from. Praise the Lord. You will have a testimony. You will go overcome that situation, but you've got to make that choice. You've got to say, you know what? My story is not about my struggle any longer. Greater is he that's in me than the devil that's in the world because I am free. But listen, once you, once you understand you've been bought with a price, and what the cost of that price was, 
Jesus does not make his story about all the difficulty that he went through. That's not the story. It's that he overcame all the difficulty. And he overcame all the difficulty because he knew you could not do it on your own. He knew that. He knew that you were going to feel shame. He knew that you were going to want to blame him, blame others, and the whole thing. Who in this room has never heard, how does God allow these bad things to happen? Listen to me. you got to realize one thing. There is a devil. And I wore my special butt, devil butt-kicking shoes today. I, I, I just, you know, you need to expose him for everything he's doing. Because it's him that's causing all of us to be deceived to the point where we can't fight our way out of a wet paper sack anymore. And we more identify with our immediate circumstance than the eternal word of God. Which, by the way, is yes and amen to those who believe. Period. I mean, the Bible says you could ask anything in his name and he will He'll do it. He'll do it. Well, when will he do it? Because my situation is dire. How long did it take you to get in that situation? And by God, I want out of it today. I want the whole thing off my chest today. Let go of the shame. Let go. Don't, and I'll tell you, it's hard to admit that you have shame, number one, okay? It's just, it's difficult. But here's how you can recognize when you're carrying shame. It's when you have a reason to blame. It's when you have a need to compare yourself to someone else to make yourself appear better than they are. Listen, I'll tell you this much. We are all equal. Every single person, eye to eye, equals in the kingdom of God. And yet we'll compare each other to each other. And next thing you know, that becomes the story. It's all about the struggle of indifference. And, and all of a sudden, we can't get along anymore. All of a sudden, this one's got this idea, and that one's got that idea, and we're not organized any longer, and it's just all about my name is Jimmy. Now, gimme, gimme, gimme. I want more, I want more, I want more. At what point do you recognize that you have enough to begin to act with what you have? You know, you look at someone like Moses, he just, all he had in his hand was a stick. That's it. He's got the whole army coming down on him like, I mean, going to wipe them out, man, up against, back up against the wall. Well, instead of going, well, oh, my goodness, here we are. And he, they all thought they were going to die. But at one point, he just grabbed a hold of that staff and he just started slapping the water as hard as he could. Hard as he could. Took what was in his hand. By faith, and all of a sudden that whole sea started to spread, started to open wide. So you don't have the excuse that you don't have what someone else has, and therefore you cannot and create that whole story. That's all about your struggle. That's not the story you want anyone to tell at the end of your life, is it? No. 
you want them to tell the story of what God has done for your life. And it's your job while you're here on this planet to discover what that is and do it with all your might. All your might. I want to say something that God put in my spirit yesterday, but it's the, it's the ultra-sensitivity to certain things. Yeesh. Y'all feeling that right now? All that ultra-sensitivity means is that you need something God has to heal you of that situation. Those feelings are there for a reason. They're not there to create your story. They're not there to just be a constant reminder of how bad things are. It, it's to, to drive up. You know, the Bible talks about taking gold, you know, from the ground and you melt it down. And then you scrape all that dross off the top. You can do that in your own life. But you're going to have to go through the heat. You're going to have to go through the fire. And you're going to have to understand that the heat and the fire is not the story. We're going to get to the story. So let go of all the shame and the need to blame. Numbers 13, 30 through 33. It says, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land disagreed. Uh-oh. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about all the land among the Israelites. And the, the says the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. A lack of confidence coupled with indecision is probably the most insidious complication you will ever have to overcome because it will rob you of all the, the promises of God that just say, well, you know what, uh, because of my lack of confidence that we can, or that even God wants us to, or even that I would do it with all my might, or e you see what I'm saying? All that lack of confidence leads to indecision now. Well, you know, I don't think we should go over there at all. And instead of the good report or the good news, we're going to share the bad news, the bad report. Did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. Here it comes right here. More bad news. And all of a sudden you start getting conditioned, don't you? Start getting conditioned about the struggle of the, is the story. It's all about the difficulties now. It's all about what the president's going to do or what the president's not going to do. It's all about, you know, what the pastor's going to do or what the pastor's not going to do. It's all about this or that or the other. And it's just like, wait a second here. Greater is he that's in you than the devil that's in this world. Don't perpetuate the bad story. 
God will meet every single need in accordance with the riches and glory found only in Jesus Christ. You can go through what they're calling right now this, this economic downturn, let's call it. If you're not careful, the, the struggle of that story will become your story. It, it's so easy to do. It's like, well, look at this and look at that. And oh, my goodness. Now, here's what I know about the financial institution. Nobody, not even the most experienced people in the financial world, understand what's going to happen. I guarantee you. I promise you. They never have. They never will. You think, oh, well, there's this one person. He wrote the book on it. Well, yeah, there, there'll be unicorns that'll run through this thing, and somebody will come out on top. But I'm talking about all the experts combined together not one of them would have the correct answer. And yet we're going to tune in. Oh, i got to listen to this person. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's he going to have to tell me now? Oh, yeah. No, I should do this and I should do that and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, and, and you turn on a different channel and somebody tell you something different. I thank God every day we're going to have a man of God to come into the house of God and teach you what the Bible has to say about finance. Because I promise you this much, there's many techniques that you can do, many of those. But many of those techniques are going to change with each kind of economic up and down. But what I do know is, is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you know what? He can preserve you through these times. And he will. Unless your story becomes about the struggle you got to let go of inadequacy. You've got to let go of, of, of just what you can bring to the table. And you need to start inviting everything that God has in the table. And I mean, just start heaping it on yourself. Even when you don't see it changing. Even when things seem to be going from bad to worse. No no, I know God's word. I, I Listen, I trust God with all my heart. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding right here. I know what God has spoke to my heart. I'm going to be a diligent steward of what God has given to me. I'm going to make sure my tithe is paid. I'm going to make sure that the offerings that God has called me to give, I'm going to make sure that I do that. I'm going to make sure that everything that God has asked me to do, I'm going to do that first. And as I learn to do those things first, the law, greater than any knowledgeable person or group on this planet, the, 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 the law of reciprocity will begin to take over my life. It's almost as if you're living in a bubble, but it's the kingdom of God. You're living now in the kingdom of God. And you're going, oh my goodness, you know, I see this person. Uh, Though a thousand fall to my right hand and ten thousand to my left, I'm going to be preserved. I'm going to overcome. Where everybody else may be going down, I'm going to be walking in the favor, the blessing, the increase of God. The purpose of God is the blessing of God. It's the whole purpose of having people. It is. It's not the punishment and all the other stuff and all the difficulties and all the situation. It's all about the blessing. That's what Jesus was all about. He says, hey, I've come to give you life and give you what kind of life? A life more abundantly. 
Well, more than what? More than what I got today. Well, yeah, but the economic thing is turning downhill. Doesn't matter. Somehow, some way, I'm going to see something that someone else is not going to see because I see through spiritual eyes. I don't see through the natural eyes. And I expect God to preserve me. I'll tell you what. What I'm talking about is more real than the circumstance that you're dealing with. So let go of that lack of confidence. Put your hope, put your trust in him. I don't know who this is for, but hope deferred makes the heart sick. God spoke this to me so clear this morning. Hope deferred makes your beliefs sickened. That's what your heart represents, your beliefs. Now, all of a sudden, your beliefs are sick and ill, and you're believing something that is far away from the favor of the blessing of the increase that God has given to you. And still hope. Lay hands on your body. Lay hands on your mind. When those ultra-sensitive things start to consume you and you lay down your bed or wherever that's at throughout your day, stop it in the name of Jesus. Rebuke it. Send it back where it came from. And renew a right spirit in yourself. Confidence in who you are in Christ. The last one here, <laughs> and this one's tough. Stress leading to isolation. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4. And listen, for those of you who may be new to the body of Christ, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets to ever walk the face of the planet. This, this guy did amazing things. He called fire from heaven, man. I mean, he killed every single false prophet in front of Ahab the king. I mean, just wiped them out all at one time. Many other miracles that he did. But in 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4, it says, Ahab told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done, and he had just killed all the prophets. And they had killed all the prophets. There you go. She sent a message to Elijah. You killed my prophets. Now I'm going to kill you. I pray that the gods will punish me even more severely if I do not do this by this time tomorrow. This is right after he wipes all these prophets out, man. I mean, he saw this miracle happen. He saw the miracle that was going to happen coming prophetically. And here's Elijah's response. Elijah was afraid when he got her message. He ran down to the town of Beersheba in Judah, and he left even his servant there. Then he walked another whole day into the desert. Finally, he came to a large bush and sat down in its shade. He begged the Lord, I've had enough. I have had enough. Just let me die. I'm no better off than any of my ancestors. Listen, guys. If the greatest prophet to ever walk the face of the planet other than Jesus himself 
went to that point in his life coming off of one of the greatest miracles he'd ever had, you've got to begin to realize that the answer is not to go and isolate yourself. I didn't have this part in, in the reading of the text this morning. I'm going to share this with you. All the way throughout that story, it kept Elijah just kept saying, I'm the only one, I'm the only one, I'm the, read Kings, I'm telling you. You'll see he says this over and over and over again. And he doesn't recognize that it's God doing it through him. And it comes down to the story where he ends up having to go to a woman's house and they're going to die and he multiplies the food and the, before that the brook ran dry and all these other experiences but he kept isolating himself and he kept telling God, I'm the only one. And at the end of his life, God says, you know what? Thank you for the service you've provided, but I need to put you on notice, my son. There are 7,000 just like you. And he says, I, I need you to give your mantle to this other young man. And he did. And God took him up into heaven, and, you know, he's in a, I mean, a prestigious place in heaven. But the lesson to be learned here is when you're under stress, you do not isolate yourself. And you never say, it's up to me to make this or that or the other. Even in your own personal life, there's not enough education, there's not enough ideas that you can come up with on your own. You need the anointing of God. You need to lead with that anointing, and you need to trust that anointing in everything that you do. Your struggle is not in your story. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. A thousand may fall at my right hand, and ten thousand, but I will remain. Power, love, sound mind. He has blessed me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. My God fights for me, leads and guides me in every path of truth. He has liberated me and freed me by the Spirit of God. God gives us favor. If God be before us, who can be against us? My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything I could ever ask or think. He has come to give me life and give me life more abundantly. It's no longer me who lives, but it's the Christ that lives in me. He makes my way prosperous. He Delights in the prosperity of me, his son. Brought forth a cost, I was bought with a costly price. His joy is my strength. I have eternal life through him. Life guides me, he leads and guides me in all paths of truth. His anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. God rejoices in the prosperity of me, his child. God blesses the work of my hands and gives me the places that I go, giving me everything that pertains to life and to godliness. He fights for me. I'm telling you people by the spirit of God that is neither blame nor fear nor indecision that's going to lead you to these places. It's only by the mighty power of God and the freedom that Christ came to give you. The gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's not going to change. It's an eternal standard that's going to be one to bring us greater hope, greater peace, greater joy, greater love. It's going to liberate us from the excuse and the story that we're telling ourselves from the point of view of the problem. You are empowered by the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. 
My father, today is Father's Day. My father loves me. My father cares for me. My father forgives me. My father is compassionate towards me. My father is a giving God. My father is an understanding God. My father is accepting. He satisfies me. He persistently pursues me. He is the great pardoner in my life and pardons me from even the things that I have done. He heals me, redeems me. His loving kindness pursues me. It it renews me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, a brand new creation in him. Behold, everything is becoming new in my life today. You see, your story is in his history. And all he's trying to do is get you to get your eyes off of the problem and on to what he is calling you to do. Let's all bow our heads this morning. I want to make sure everybody in this room has the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so you, too, can get liberated from all of these problems. I want you to say this prayer together with me. Just repeat. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. If you said that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, maybe you're coming back to the Lord or maybe you came to the Lord this morning. Just lift your hand up between you and God. I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that one there. Hallelujah, you can go ahead and put your hands down, eyes open, looking around. Listen, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll be hanging out up here. I'd love to pray for you further. And I'll tell you what, let go of your problems and embrace the power of the Word of God in your life. And you'll look back years from now and you'll say, look what the Lord has done. Let's all welcome Pastor Lonnie.